Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Jim Bloom knows firsthand the struggles men face when they're paroled from prison. And that's what led him to found My Father's House, which offers a place for men on parole to find help, find support. And uh, Jim, good to have you with me. Thanks. Thank you, Al. Um, how, how long were you uh, in prison for? I was in prison for 20 years here in the state of Colorado. Wow. That's a long time. Um, tell me yes, what happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, yeah, you tell me, what the, what is that like? Well, it's very difficult, obviously. Um, you know, I went to prison as a young man, uh, a secular man, mm-hmm. uh, a very sort of immature and arrogant young man. Yeah. Um, and in my time in prison, I, I kind of grew up. I, uh, I found my faith. Uh, through the help of my grandfather, especially, and and just through reading and prayer, and um, yeah, I grew up in prison, and and uh, um, it was a it, it was a very difficult time, but also a very transformative time. Yeah, um, I had a brother who spent two years in prison. I visited him visited him there, and it's a very difficult place. Um, mm. uh, it, 20 years must change the way you view the outside world. Yeah, absolutely. And and just change the way that you view life. I mean, um, you know, it's been my experience that, that young men who go to prison for a short period of time um, don't always experience a big change. But, right. you know, when, when I first went into prison... You know, my thought was, my, my sort of mindset was, okay, I'm going to get through this so that I can get back to my life. Yeah. But at some point, probably about four or five years into this sentence, I figured out, this actually is my life. <laughs> right. And if I don't start living here, I'm going to miss this. I mean, I, I have an opportunity. I mean, I have, to, I have to figure out how to grow here. I have to figure out how to, to live in this place and, um, and live a life here. When you uh, got out of prison, uh, well, did you have family that received you back gladly? Did you have a community that you were able to become part of? Absolutely. So one of the big advantages I had is that all through the time that I was in prison, my family was very supportive and loving towards me. Uh, they obviously were not supportive of the, you know what I had done, sure. but, but they treated me like a, a human person and... Uh, my mother and father visited me uh, every month, uh, and also siblings, and and um, so I, I had that love and support, letters and and visits. Uh, towards the end of my prison stay, I also had I, I made contact with a group in within the Catholic Church called Communion and Liberation, mm-hmm. um, and those folks started to come and visit me as well within the last about five years. Nice. And yeah. so when I got out, um, my mother had provided a place for me in her home, and uh, so I had her support and the support of my family in addition to the support of the Communion Liberation Movement. Do you, are you, when you get, I've, I've heard people speak about this before, and of course you see it in movies too, that when people who have been incarcerated for long periods of time, when they get out, that the freedom that they now have is difficult to adapt to. 
Is that true? It, it is. Um, I don't know that the freedom is difficult to adapt to, but the world had changed dramatically. Uh, when I went to prison, you know, people had these little brick cell phones, and when I got out, there were smartphones. When yeah. I went to prison, you know, the Internet was pretty new. Yep. And, you know, I get out, and the world is just racing at 100 miles an hour. And <laughs> so things had definitely changed, and um, it, it took some time. But, you know, the other piece is um, when, when you're in prison, it's an entirely different sort of a, of a community atmosphere, if you want to think of it that way. When you get out into the, into the world, um, there's a lot going on, and it, it can become it just the, the, the pace is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. While you're in prison, do you live, do you have to be super vigilant? Do you live in fear? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a very dangerous place to live. And, um, you know, you're you're constantly aware. I saw things that uh, you wouldn't want to know about. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah, you you wind up hypervigilant, for sure. Does that stick with you for a long time after you uh, come out? Yeah, I've been out for six and a half years, and it's it's still with me to some extent. Wow. Um, okay. I don't know that it'll ever go away to some extent. I mean, right. I, certainly, I'm doing much better now than when I first got out. But um, <laughs> the other day, I had to go to the airport, and uh, there's a lot going on there, a lot of people. There's a, a lot of activity, and I'm trying to figure out where I'm going. And, and all of a sudden, you know, my heart starts to race, and the adrenaline starts to pump. Yeah. It, it can be difficult, yeah. Yeah, okay. Talk to me about uh, starting my father's house. So when I was in prison, I was involved in um, ministry there. I was doing Bible studies with guys. I lived in a, at the, at the end of my sentence, I lived in a private facility that had a faith pod. And so there was a non-denominational program going on there that I was a part of. But also in the afternoons, when the program was not running, I was doing Bible studies with guys and the priest uh, at the at the facility actually asked me to help the guys study for their RCIA oh. um, and scan for their sacraments. I have five godsons uh, nice. that I've stood for. And when I got out, um, all of a sudden, all that's gone, because when you're on parole, you're not allowed to have contact with any other felons. Oh. It's against the rules. Interesting. And so now that whole thing is just gone. And um, I began to talk with my parole officer about that, and she said, well, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting off parole so I can found a ministry. And we talked about that a little bit, and finally she said, well, what if I was to give you permission to start now? I said, that'd be wonderful. So I actually started this ministry while I was still on parole. I'm, I'm off parole now, but I was still on parole at the time. Um, at first I thought about founding a, a ministry that would mostly be about teaching the faith, uh-huh. but then I... I noticed that you know the men have that I was dealing with have real practical needs, and so the biggest one is housing. It you know it, jobs and housing are are both very difficult, but to find decent housing for a felon in this country is very difficult because really? it's, when you go to apply, many times the answer is no. Is that is and that so, is it legal to say no? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, oh. there's no there's no protected class for felons. Unfortunately, yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, landlords can't just say no. It's, at least in Colorado, they can. I don't know the laws across yeah. the state or okay. across the U- U.S. Sure. Wow. Um, and you know, 
there's a situation for many men in prison where the parole board will say to them, you can go, you, you're paroled and you, you're allowed to, to leave prison and, and start your parole, but you can't go until you have an address to go to. You Ooh. can't get out homeless. Yeah. And so there are hundreds of men sitting in prison in Colorado today who could get out if they had somewhere to go. Um, I would imagine you know, in my father's house. Go ahead. Well, I, I would imagine that many people have kind of burned their bridges uh, with yeah. family members, and while they might be able to repair them in the future, they haven't been able to repair them while they were incarcerated. So that would be that's difficult. right. And, and yeah. honestly, many times for good reason. Yeah. But yeah. In addition to that, you also have men who've been in prison long enough that all of the people that they know have either died or are very elderly. Yeah. And just can't provide that for right. them anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so, does my father's house have a physical plant or a facility that they can provide housing? We do. So, we have two houses in the Denver area. Um, we have just four beds in each house, so a total of eight beds. Um, but we, you know, we want to provide a family atmosphere. We don't. We're not interested in becoming just another institutional facility right um and so we you know we provide each man has his own room um and we're we're providing other kinds of services helping them find a job helping them with uh transportation uh food and clothing when they first get out um helping them with training that would help them like communications training financial literacy training um and if they need some sort of vocational training sometimes we can help with that um in addition to that what we really want to do is to provide a community of support and love to show them that they are lovable and that it's okay to be open to that. Um, every Sunday night I get together, we have dinner with the men in a sort of a very family setting, yeah. and we just sit and talk and, um, and enjoy each other's company. Um, so, but yes, there's, there's two houses here in Denver that are, that are our home base. Um. Do, do you need more houses? In other words, is this, are you providing a service which is kind of underserviced, underfunded? I, I don't know how. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I, I'm just curious to know. So the need is much greater yeah, than you're able to provide at the time. That's right. I mean, as, as I say, I've got eight beds. I've got 100 men who've written to me and are currently on my wait list. Wow. Many of whom, if if I said tomorrow I have a bed for you, Within a couple of weeks, the parole board would set a date, and they would get out. So they're just waiting for a bed. Good I heavens. could fill five more houses easily. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. But it's a matter of funding. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope somebody listening out there picks up on this. I mean, the idea that there are men uh, waiting uh, to be released uh, from prison, but they just don't have an address to go to. Is really got to be terribly frustrating, right? So, well, Very debilitating. Yeah. All right. Well, in fact, let's go ahead and how can people stay in touch with you then? You have a website. So we have a website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, our website is it's a little bit long. It's myfather'shousedenver.org. Okay. So there's a lot of organizations called My Father's House, and so we ours is myfathershousedenver.org. Yeah, make sure Denver's in there. We are a 501c3, so mm-hmm. if people donate, it is tax-deductible. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like an extraordinarily important ministry. I uh, 
tell tell me about some of the the men that you've served. What the, what they're doing now, and you know. Yeah, so we've had 39 men go through our program. Not one of those men has ever returned to prison for committing a new crime. Wow. Um, we have a 0% recidivism rate at my father's house. <laughs> We're very happy about the success of the men. We don't. That's not my success. That's their success. Yeah. Um, and those men are they're moving forward with their lives. They've reconnected with families. I've had, I've had men whose families told me, you know what, uh, we don't want any contact with this guy. We're not interested. And yet over time... We were able to heal the man to to a part to a point where he gets back in contact with family and and they're able to reconnect. Um, we've you know helped men. Uh, many men, of course, have moved on and they have their own apartments at this point. At this point, their own homes. They have new careers, not just jobs. We've got one man who's studying to be an electrician. Uh, we've got uh, you know much much beautiful success that that's happened. We've been in, in existence for five years and. Um, uh, with many more years to come, we hope. Well, that's that's beautiful. Um, what um, do men are, are men required to engage in uh, any kind of uh, prayer group, spiritual activity, liturgy, or is that simply left up to their own development? Yeah, I I think that to try to require that sort of um, it goes against. The, I mean, it, it's not going to work. Yeah. Right to to try to sure. make people do that. Yep. I do certainly invite them to do that. I try to help them as best I can. They yeah. realize that my motivation is, is based in my faith. Sure. And, um, you know, I encourage them to, to choose a church um, and to, to practice faith and religion. Yeah. Uh, I am working currently with my own, uh, an assistant pastor at my own church who's going to be coming and, and starting a Bible study at the house. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, that'll be voluntary. Yep. So, uh, but but at least offer a new opportunity for the guys. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's marvelous. Uh, I mean, it's great making your acquaintance, Jim. I, d- I did not realize the work you were doing there. And let me encourage people to follow up by going online to myfathershousedenver.org. Make sure you get the Denver in there. Myfathershousedenver.org. Take a look at what uh, Jim and his team are doing there. And uh, let's talk again in the near future, okay? Great. Thank you so much, Al. It's yeah. good to be with you. Yeah, thank you, Jim. We'll have, of course, contact information linked uh, at avimiraradio.net in the Crested Guest Archive there. But, uh, you know, the recidivism is a chronic problem. And the fact that he's able to say that he's dealt with 30, I think 37, 39, with no recidivism, wow, it's amazing.